but it is so good to have everyone here, and we're looking forward to a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And if you got your Bibles, I want you to uh, go with me to the, uh, Luke chapter 2. I had several, several things that I wanted to, that were on my heart this morning and uh, didn't quite know where I wanted to go with things. And uh, I think I'll stay with the theme at hand. Uh, uh, we've got a, 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 a Christmas Eve service coming up, and then we have uh, Sunday morning, which is Christmas, which is rare. It comes about every seven years, and this time it comes about every 14 years, because uh, leap years. Sunday. And so we're looking forward to just gathering together. I know some people will be off and with family, and that's understandable, but we, we want the church to be open. We want the church to be open so that the world can see what, uh, what, it, what, what we are celebrating at this time of the year, that Christ became, uh, came, that God became a man and came into the world in the incarnation and, and gave his life for us. And so we want to, we want to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ and, and, uh, and him becoming a man and paying the ultimate price for us. If you got your Bibles, go to uh, Luke chapter 2, and uh, I want to talk about the parting of the veil, the parting of the third veil. Uh, today, the parting of the third veil, kind of a kind of an odd, odd, odd title and topic, but you'll know where we're going to in just a moment. The parting of the third veil, Luke chapter two. Let's pray, Father. We love you and we thank you so much, God, for everyone that is here this morning. And Father, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts today, God. We are so grateful, God, for every person that is in this place today, God. We're thankful for our young people, God, who, who uh, God, uh, had the courage to get up, God, and, and, to, uh, and to talk about the, uh, uh, you, Lord, to testify of your goodness, of your grace, of your mercy, God, to, uh, to just, uh, uh, just declare the, the, the glory of God. And Father, we just thank you for that. And I just pray that you would just continue to move in this service, God. I pray that you would draw us closer to you, God. And Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts today and change our lives through the Word of God. Uh, Lord, we love you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. And we give you the glory, Father. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what? I'm going, I'm going back to the original plan. I don't know. Just uh, go, go, go to 1 John 4.16. 1 John 4.16. I believe God wants to speak. Last week, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll preach that message maybe on Christmas morning. But I want to I I piggyback. I, I felt the pressure today, like because we're doing a children's program, that I've got to preach a children's, I mean, I've got to preach a Christmas message today. Uh, and the Lord was uh, dealing with me all week. And then uh, I, I, I had a couple of things going. I had one prepared for either way. And uh, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to try to uh, to go this direction. Last week we talked about outside looking in, and I want to continue with that theme. We talked about outside looking in, and I, I'll tell you where that came from. 
that, that came from the story of the prodigal son last week. And we talked about the prodigal son. We talked about the, we talked about the, 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 the younger son and the older brother. And we look closely at the older brother, the elder brother in the story, because a lot of times we take that story and we come from the approach of the, of the, of the prodigal who went away and, and took the inheritance and took everything and spent it all on riotous living and spent it all on foolishness. And a lot of times we, we, we dismiss and don't notice the elder brother, but we see that the young prodigal son goes out. He asks for the father's inheritance. The father gives the inheritance to him. He goes out and spends it all. And the Bible says that he winds up in a pig's pen. He winds up spending it all. His friends leave him. He winds up in a place where he's absolutely uh, poor, destitute. And he remembers that his father, he remembers his father, and he remembers his father's house, and he remembers that the, the servants in his father's house are even better off than he is because now he's reduced down to just uh, eating pig, eating with the pigs and eating pig slop. And so all of a sudden now he's in this place, and the Bible says that he gets up and he begins to go home to the father and he's going to say I'm going to ask the father if he'll just make me like one of his hired help I'll just beg him to to let me at least come back in the house because even Lonnie he treats his servants better than what I am out here and so I'm just going to beg him that he'll just let me be like one of them and the Bible says that when he gets up and he comes home he, he there's a repentance going on in his heart in that place and the Bible says that he gets up and he heads back home it's a far journey and when he gets back almost home the Bible says that when he gets to a place where the father could see him. The father begins to run to the son. And the Bible says that he runs to him and he falls on his neck and he begins to kiss him. And the Bible says that he gives him a robe for all of his filthiness. He gives him a, a ring uh, that he puts on his finger. He, he begins to just uh, he, he puts shoes on his feet. And the Bible says that then he turns to his servant and he says, go into the house and I want you to kill the fatted calf. We are throwing a party. We are going to have a party for my son was dead, but now he is alive forevermore. And he says, I want you to strike up the band. I want to make ourselves merry. We are going to be merry in this place. We are going to feast and we are going to celebrate the fact that, I, that my son has come home. Well, the Bible says that all of a sudden as they're dancing and as the son is receiving this love of the father for the first time, really, because the father's love has been there all along. But, but, but Raymond, he didn't, he didn't receive that love. He didn't understand that love. He had a love for the world. He had a love that he didn't recognize the love of the father. All he could see is I want to go out there and I want to sow, sow my wild oats. I want to live out there. And so that's where his eye was. And his father was just seen as he's just harsh. He's just hard. He didn't want me to have any kind of fun out there. He doesn't want me to do anything. So he had this warped perception of his father. But now when he comes home in this broken state, in this messed up situation, and when the father bestows the love of God on him and lavishes his love for the first time in his life he sees the father's love he sees that God is love and kind towards him he sees that God's mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness and this young boy goes into this party and he rejoices in the father's love he is rejoicing with the father he, the father is dancing over him there is celebration going on in the house of the Lord. And the Bible says that when sinners repent, even the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen. That's why in that day, 
That's why it's that day when the, when the, when, when the angels and all the heavenly hosts are, 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 are in this place where they're bursting through the canopy because there was, a, there was a veil that separated heaven and earth. There was this veil that mankind, after the fall, could not get back into. And all of a sudden, as redemption's plan is taking shape and beginning to form and beginning to happen, it's as though the heavenly hosts cannot stand it anymore as they're watching this baby come and be born in Bethlehem. And it's as though they've got to burst through at this moment because because they want to sing about the glories of God to humanity and say, you don't understand. You think you're lost and too far, but your God is coming in the form of a baby and He's going to give His life for you. And that's the glory they begin to sing about to mankind. Glory to God in the highest. This God is coming not to kill you or destroy you, but to save you. Amen? Hallelujah. And, and, and so this prodigal experiences that love because it's the same love that Jesus eventually goes to the cross and the veil in the temple is rent in two. And the Bible says that now not only can angels come down into our view and into our world and we won't die, but now the Bible says that we can go up into the presence of God and be seated with Him in heavenly places because there's another veil that rent, the one that separated us from Him. And we can go into the presence of God now because of the blood of Jesus through a new and living way. Hallelujah. But the son, but the elder son comes home and he, he's been working out in the field. And Lonnie comes home and he hears, what's that, what's that joy coming? What is, what, is this, what is this I hear coming out of the house? What's this music? And he begins to call one of the servants over and he says, what is going on? And he says, oh, you didn't hear? You didn't hear? Your, 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 your younger son, the, your brother has come home. And the father has thrown a party. The father has thrown a feast. And there is merriment and there is joy going on in there. And they are dancing and they are celebrating. And what does the Bible say? The son, this, this prodigal is on the outside looking in. He's on the outside looking inside of the house. And he sees all of this joy and he gets angry. And you know why he gets angry? I think, I think he gets angry because he wishes he had what he sees his younger brother have. He doesn't know the love of the Father. He doesn't enjoy the presence of the Lord. He's on the outside looking in. And he has never entered into the joy of the Lord. And he begins to blurt out. And the Bible says that the same Father who came out for the prodigal son now comes out to the elder brother. God loves you. And he loves this elder brother that he comes outside once again. And the Bible says he entreats him to come into the feast. But the Bible says that this brother stands outside angry and scoffing. I've worked for you. I've been obedient to you. I've done all of these things for you. And, the Bible, and he said, and you've never thrown me a party. You've never thrown me a feast. You've never embraced me like you embraced him. And all of a sudden, the Bible tells us that this, this elder brother just stays outside looking in when he could have come into the feast because the father said, look out into the field. Do you see the field? You see all those cows? You see all those, those oxen? I would have killed any one of them for you anytime. All those belong to me and everything I have is yours. 
But he still would not come in like some of you will not come in to the love of God. Always condemnation. Always failure. Always feeling that on the outside looking in. And that brings us to the part two today that I want to continue that story. And I actually want to add a chapter to it today to maybe better help you understand if some of us on the outside looking in. Go with me to 1 John 4.16 and listen to what the Bible says here. Hallelujah. And we have known, say known, and believed and believe the love of God has, that He has for us. We have known and believed the love of God that He has for us. We have known and believed. Brad Lindsay has had a trouble with this for many, many years. But I'm coming into a place now with the new covenant where God is bringing me into a place where I know and I believe that God loves me. Do you understand you can be a preacher preaching up here and I can preach to all of you about the love of God and not believe it in my own heart for myself? Come on, don't act so pious. Maybe a lot of you just have always been able... My wife, for some reason, has always been able to believe the love of God. I've struggled with this throughout the years. I could preach it to a lot of other people, but believing it for myself, every time I'd make a a mistake or fail him, I'd go right back up to beating myself, staying outside of the house, uh, just just pouncing on myself on this outside looking in, never entering into the full love of God. But John writes, and we know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so we are in the world. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And we're struggling with that today. Listen to verse 16 again. And we know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Outside looking in. What what do I mean by outside and looking in? It's again, I said it was the prodigal who was freely forgiven. He is inside. He's not outside looking in to this party and this feast now. He is in the feast. He is in the party. He is basking in the love of God. He's basking in the unmerited favor of God. The older brother comes and he's jealous of what is taking place because this is what he really secretly longed for himself. This is what he really wants. Yet he's been working, he's been faithful. He's been obedient and he could not enter into that kind of love. His father goes out to him and treats him to come in and ask him to come in. And he says, everything I have is yours. And the elder son, the Bible tells us, did not enter into that love. He never enjoyed the relationship of his father. The Bible tells us, and I know there are millions of Christians who have never entered in and enjoyed the relationship of their father. They haven't enjoyed their Christian walk. 
They've never into the joy of it. They've never fully appropriated the love of God or understood the love of God. Like I said, I know many preachers that can preach about it, yet they struggle in themselves. They feel condemned. They never feel, feel, uh, feel fully accepted. They're, they're always chopping wood for the Father, always trying to prove themselves, never truly believing that God truly loves them. But God wants you this day. That's why he burst through that Bethlehem sky. He wants you this night, this day, to understand that he fully, fully accepts you and fully loves you in Christ. Amen? Amen. But yet many are like the elder brother. They're on the outside looking in. And here's the thing I want you to understand. That prodigal found, I want you to hear me really well, that prodigal found first love. He found first love. Listen to me. Some of you look spacey-eyed. You've had kids and you've been looking around. But look, I want you to get this. This can be life-transforming. He, 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 the prodigal found first love. And, and I, want, I want you to take another look inside that feast. I want you to look inside that joyous feast. And I want you to see that he never had known his father's love until he went away from the father. He finds himself in his true condition. And then he comes back home and he sees the father. Un, I mean, just blow his mind with this unmerited forgiveness. This, this, this agape love that just blows our mind mind and for the first time he found first love God, God loved him he knew that God loved him and he comes into that love and he couldn't see it before because he had a desire for pleasure he had his eye on so many other things but he discovers the love of God that had been all there the whole time but it's called first love because it's the first time he knows that God loves him Jude tells us this he said, he warns you. He says, keep yourself in the love of God. He warns us. And here's what 1 John tells us in John 4, 4, 16. It says, dwell or stay in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Dwell or stay in the love of God. I think that's very important in the last days. The Bible says in the last days, many, 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 the love of many will wax cold. And when you go outside of here and even inside of here, there is, there, there is some waxing cold of love everywhere you go today. There is some meanness going on. There is some wickedness going on in the hearts of people. And we have got to guard our hearts not to give in to the same spirit of the age. Amen. We have got to be careful to maintain first love. We love each other because God first loved us. If we are not loving other people, it's because we have lost sight that God truly loves us. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the Bible. You can believe it or not. It's the Word of God. And I can prove that. Because, because if, you, if you let that first love wane, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to end up like the older brother. No, hear me. Hear me. You're going to end up like the older brother. You're going to be out in the field, and you're going to forget the love of God. Remember, dwell in the love of God. If you forget the love of God, you're going to find yourself thinking, I'm still faithful to God. I still go to church. I'm still obedient to God. I still preach. I do all of these things. Man, I work, work, work. I'm in the field working. I'm in the field working. I'm in the field working. But, but you're like the elder brother. You're on the outside looking in now. 
You lost that loving feeling. You say, that can't happen. Oh, yes, it can, because it happened to a church called Ephesus. And I want you to hear what he says to the church of Ephesus. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith him that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience, and that you cannot bear those that are evil. And you have tested those who, are, uh, who say they're apostles and they're not, and you have found them to be liars and you have persevered and have patience and you have labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary that sounds like the evidence of a people who are in love with God but he says but nevertheless I have this against you you have lost your first love now you know how that's been preached so many times that we've said that's my love for God Raymond No, no, you lost sight of the fact that God loves you. I'm not not discounting that, but you can't love God until you know He first loves you. You've lost first love. You've lost first love. You're outside looking in, the Bible says. And that's where Ephesus comes. And he says, unless you repent, you've lost this wonderful revelation that the Father loves you and he wants to feast with you. He wants you to be in the house feasting. He wants joy. He wants merriment. He wants mirth. He wants joy in the house of the Lord. He wants to throw a party for you. He wants to celebrate your redemption. But, you have, but I have something against you because you've lost your vision that I love you. And that's why some of us are so miserable, so cotton-picking miserable, because we failed God, and we're we're now mad at ourselves. We're mad at everybody else, and we don't have, we got condemnation, we've got guilt, we've got so many things going on inside of our heart, and we've lost sight that the Father loves us. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, the candlestick is the depository of the oil. That's where the Holy Spirit's oil flowed through. That's where the anointing of the Word came, which brought light. When that oil was there, it brought light. Like hopefully when you hear me preaching, that you can see the candlestick. You can see the anointing oil that's here. And all of a sudden as we preach, the light of God's Word begins to open up. And we have revelation. We begin to see things in God's Word. We begin to say, whoa, I've lost first love. Or man, I've got God's love. And we begin to see these things and it opens up. But the Bible says the condition of these people's hearts they moved away from that and all of a sudden he says I'm not, it's, you're not going to see that anymore in the Ephesus church and folks I know that condition because I've lived in it I've lived in that condition. I've lived in that place apart from God's work, not assured of God's work. Every time I'd fail the Bible, I, I, would, I would feel condemned and I wouldn't run back to the Father. But the Bible says it's not your love for me that's the issue. No, that it's, that, it's that God loved us and because God loved us, now we love Him. And He sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. He sent His Son to die and to cover our sins. Listen to this until you're secure in the father's love hear me until you're secure in the father's love you can have no joy no peace and no victory until you're secure of the love of God you can have no peace no joy no victory and many have turned the love of God sadly in our day into uh, promiscuity 
Sadly, they've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And that's not what the Father is saying either. And that's why some of us have gone to that other side. And if we're not careful, we get into legalism. But listen, this Father is not... Look, this Father is... He, he, if He's a true Father, the Bible tells us, then you know what a true Father will do? What any good Father in here would do, Terry. You know what a true Father does when His Son gets off course, when His Son gets away? He disciplines them. He chastens them. And that's what this father in this story does. He's going to bring you back into the feast. If you get off course, he's going to steer you back into the presence of God and back into the feast. When there is no knowledge of his love, you know what people do? They work for him out of obligation. And that's what I see a lot of in the church today. People working for God. They've lost the love of God. And and yet they're, they're, they're driving themselves. And preachers are driving them. And they're doing it out of duty. They're doing it out of obligation and there's no joy in it no joy just dragging themselves into one more thing oh we got to go caroling tonight oh we've got to we've got to come back in here to a candlelight and communion oh we're going to go out and serve this person and we're going to do that and and just no joy in that and if you go back to the prodigal i can show you how we get that way now i didn't add this chapter david wilkerson added this chapter one time and i heard him preaching it and here's what he said this is just something he added to the story of the prodigal son and i want you to hear it think of this He said, let me add a chapter. He said, the rest of the story of the prodigal, maybe it went like this if you go through the Word and you see certain things. Let's say the prodigal had a good season. Let's say that he served the Father faithfully. He rejoiced in his freedom. He grew in the knowledge of the Lord's love. He lost his desire for old sinful ways. He entered into a life of prayer and devotion. Sounds like our Christian life, right? He began to enter into a life of prayer and devotion. He ministered to the needy. But, but, hear me, there was a former evil servant that, who had been dismissed from his father's house in rebellion. And this formal evil servant somehow came across his path and he told him lies and he used all kinds of devices to appeal to his old lust. He told him that uh, he, he overheard the father saying he was disappointed in him. He told him all kinds of lies. He gave him all kinds of tantalizing offers. He remembered that this young man had had harlots in his home and that he had spent all of his money on foolishness and so all of a sudden one night this foolish this evil servant comes to him and says I got a woman for you come on one time for old time's sake and all of a sudden this let's just say that this prodigal one night he gets to a point where he decides it just plays over in his mind and all of a sudden he decides I'm going to go out with her and he goes out with this woman he finds himself in bed with her the next morning and And all of a sudden he gets back up. But this time he goes back to the father's house and he keeps living there. But he's miserable. He's miserable. Like some of us are. Who've done some of the same things after our Christian walk. And he's miserable now because he's got his conscience now. He's in the house of the Lord. And when he looks inside the house, all of a sudden, there's no joy anymore. There's no mirth when he sees and remembers the feast because he knows what's going on in his heart. He's sick. He's disgusted. He hates what he's doing, but he finds pleasure in his sin. He finds more pleasure in that, and he cannot break away from it. And now let's say that his brother finds out what's going on in the prodigal, and he exposes him. 
him all over the place. Now the father knows, but guess what? The father really already knew. The father already knew what was going on. But the son exposes him to anybody who will listen. And this young man gets so angry, so, so, so displeased with himself that he runs away a second time. And he says, you know what? I'm just going to go live with that woman because I've blown it. And I might as well just give all in. If I'm going to hell, then I'm just going to give all in because my father would never have me back the way after what I've done now again. And that's where this young man, and, and, and let's say that he does all this and then he dies and then he burns in hell. What's wrong with that story? The ending. Because, because I'm going to tell you what, in a day of grace, he doesn't have to do that. In a day of grace and in a day of mercy, there is something, there, there is something that he can do. He can return. He can get up again and return to the Father. He can get up again and run to the Father again, the Bible says. Listen, he can do it seven times in a day. You say, whoa, that's blasphemy. No, let me tell you out of the Lord's own mouth. Luke 17 and 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day. I don't have the patience for that, but your God does. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns and says, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Seven times a day if he comes. Your enemy comes to you seven times a day and says, I repent again. I'm sorry. And the Bible says, you shall forgive him. That's what moves us back to God. I'm going to hurry. Listen, David is exposed. David, the Bible tells us, is exposed. And guess what moves him back to the heart of God? It's not the fact, thank God, that Nathan came and pointed his bony finger in his face and began to say, you're the man. And thank God that God began to put something in David's heart where he recognized his sin. But can I tell you what moved David back to the heart of God while he's out there? outside of the feast, outside looking in. Can I tell you what it was? I know exactly what it was because he wrote it down in Psalms 51 and 1. He said, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. According to what? Your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. No, some of you don't seem happy enough about that. Maybe you didn't sin as much as I have. Maybe you haven't sinned as much as I have since I've been a believer. But I've failed him. And I've failed him a lot. And guess what? I'm so grateful that when I run back into the arms of the Father, that His loving kindness and His tender mercies are there for me every single time that I run. And that's exactly what David did. God didn't leave David in it. He put His finger on him. He chastised him. He brought him to a place where he knew that he couldn't go on living this way. But David then remembered the multiplied mercies of God and the knowledge that David laid hold of was confidence and faith. He knew and believed. God's love for him I'll show you again Israel through Jeremiah they were so far off course 
And the Bible says that, they, they were, that God was going to send Jeremiah to correct them because of sin. And listen, their sins were vile and they were wicked at this point. And listen, he, here's what he said. He, here's what God Almighty says, Jeremiah 30, 31. Go home and read it. He said, I, he said, I'm, going to, he said I'm not going to leave you altogether unpunished. Listen to me. I'm not going to leave you altogether unpunished. I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to deal with you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to leave this thing undone. I'm not letting you get by with this for another day. Listen to what it says in that word. It says this, and this is what you can take this to the bank for America right now. Your bruise is incurable. No, you hear me, America. Your bruise is incurable and your wound is grievous. Only God can fix this. Only God, not some politician. I don't care who you get in there. Only God can fix this. And that's where Israel was. And that's where God said, I'm not going to leave you in this. You're my children, Israel. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to chasten you. It's going to be not pleasurable. I believe we're under the chastening hand of God in a lot of our lives and in this nation. And that's why it's very unpleasant right now. I'm not saying everybody or every single person, but I'm saying there's a lot of chastening going on because God loves you. And listen to what Proverbs 3 and 12 says. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. As just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Listen, I've watched the downfall. You've watched the downfall of so many ministers in this society and in this day and age. You have watched the downfall of so many. And we've seen so many, sadly, and we've seen so many, sadly, of Christians that never got up again. And they went further headlong into their sin because people scoffed at them. Nobody took the towel to them. They talked about them. They, they exposed their sin like the elder brother. They never went to them to try to help lift them up out of the miry clay and put their feet back on a rock to stay. And all of a sudden, these people, now finally somebody does go to them with a heart of compassion. And they begin to say, I'm too far gone. You don't understand. I had, the, I had light. I preached the Word of God. I did all of these things. And now I've failed God one too many times. I've gone headlong back into my sin. And God would not forgive me. And I cannot get out of it. And there's terrible people who have not been able to see the love of the Father. But I'm going to tell you something. You can always get up. Because of the cross, you can always come back to the Father. You can always run back to the arms of the Father. You can always come back to Him anytime, day and night. And even if it's seven times in a day, the righteous fall, but they keep getting up and going back to God. Amen? Amen. And then I've seen others that fail. And they accept the love of God when He draws them back. And that's what the Holy Spirit does when you wander out of the house again. He woos you back. He gives you Holy Ghost miserables. That's what He does. He comes and He puts His hand on that place and He makes us miserable. Folks, you want to know why we're miserable right now? You want to know why this world is miserable? Because we have taken God out of everything. We have despised God. We have rejected God. And God has is, God is given us Holy Ghost miserables so that we will come to a place where we recognize it's not going to be things under the tree that are going to make us happy. It's not going to be one more Netflix series. It's not going to be one more iPhone. It's not going to be one more special or Christmas movie. It's not going to be one more Avatar movie. It's going to be God when we turn back to the love of God and receive the love of the Father and return to first love, then joy will return to the house of the Lord and to our lives. 
And so the whole of the, uh, the Holy Spirit, the work is when you depart and the Father chastens you, is that He'll make you miserable. And, 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 and so that you'll turn and you'll let go of these things. He corrects you because the wound is incurable without Him coming. The wound and the, the sore is grievous. And there's, there's young people, there's some, the, the, the wound is so incurable. I see it in your brains. The school systems and the universities have just turned you off. You scoff at God. You're God mockers now. You laugh at God. There's things going on in your life and you come because your mama and your daddy drag you to church. But can I tell you something? There's going to have to be a day where you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at the judgment throne and you're going to give an account. And he's moving, trying to correct the wound in your life, the grievous wound from sin, the grievous wound from turning our back to God, the grievous wound that took place in the garden, the grievous wound that is going on in our lives. And Jeremiah comes at this place, and I want you to hear it, man. I used to preach, and I'm sorry, I've preached out of so much anger. I have preached from one side of the covenant. I am sorry, I am sorry, I am sorry. Yes, there is, there is, there, there is wrath. Yes, there is judgment. Yes, there, there are these other things, but dear God, forgive me for not showing the other side of the coin. There is also mercy. There is also grace. There is also love for those who repent and turn to Him with all of their heart. And so Jeremiah comes to this group of people who are so vile, who is so wicked, and their hearts are incurable. And I want you to hear what he says. And I'm going to close here in a moment. Jeremiah is talking to the fallen. Remember that. And I want you to see what he says in Jeremiah 31 and 3. You ought to look at it in your Bibles. He says, The Lord that appeared to me saying, Yea, I have loved thee. He's talking to backslidden people. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Man. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I'm going to draw you back to me. With loving kindness, prodigal, I'm going to draw you back into the house to feasting and dancing and joy in the house of the Lord. He says, he says to the same people, he says, they shall come with weeping and with supplication and I will lead them and I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way where in they shall not stumble again for I am a father to Israel I'm going to come to you in that condition I'm going to chasten you and all those who turn to me in this way I'm going to come and I'm going to lead you by the waters and I'm going to cause you to go in a straight way now and I'm going to cause you never to stumble again all the joy of knowing God is going to do that for us He'll draw you. He'll remove the fear of falling again and stumbling. It. You know how about somebody that's been bound in pornography all over their lives and made promises to him time after time after again only to go back and do it again and again and again praying to God failing, praying to God failing, praying to God failing. That's how you can get to the place of the prodigal. I know because that was me. Thought I was a rascal. Why would God want to forgive me again? He drew me. And he removed the fear of me falling again. Brad, even if you fall, I got you. 
And you'll not stumble again. And I'll walk you out of that. And I'll bring you to living waters. Living waters. And I'll give you my grace. Listen to what he says in Titus 3.3. For we ourselves were also once foolish. Once disobedient. Once deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Servants of all kinds of evil. But after that, but after that, but after that, but after being servants of all kinds of evil. Verse 4, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared. When the kindness and love and mercy of our Savior appeared. When a revelation came of the love of God to Brad Lindsay in 1994. When I finally believed that Jesus Christ was not against me, but He was for me. And by His mercy then, He saved me. And by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, He did this. And I just say this Christmas, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. If you'll, if you'll bear with me, I want to play one song. And all I want to do is I want to just every head bowed and every eye closed. Mac Brock, if you can find that song, and then we'll let the young people do their last two songs, and then we'll try to get people out of here at a decent hour. Here's what I want to say. God's not mad at anybody in this house. And nor am I. I yell, but I'm not mad at you. Guess what a new fear is? We got so many fears. There's like 800 some odd fears in the world. And I listened to a new one. And now, can you believe we've labeled a new fear? The fear of preaching. God help us, I know. And so uh, we're fearful of everything. And God is not mad at you. He loves you. In fact, Romans, Romans 8.38 says this, and I want you to hear it. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great hope. What a great hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, so, so, so some of you are here and you're like me and you had flashes of his love from time to time, but you don't live in it. You don't live in it. Or maybe you at one time knew he loved you. But like, like the Ephesians, you've left first love and now you're just working. You're working with no joy. And, and so, so, so with that being said, this altar's open. You, you, you don't have to come forward. I want to play a song about the love of God and that ministers to me often and has helped me to know God's love. And, and, and would you just pray in your heart and, and ask God to help you receive first love, make you aware of God's love for you, that even while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. And he became the propitiation. He, 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 he atoned for and paid for your sin if you'll receive him. To all who receive him, you become sons and daughters of God. To as many as receive him. He says, I'll in no wise cast out. 
He paid the price. He put, he, part of that wrapped in swaddling clothes, that's filthy rags for you that don't know that. He wrapped himself in our humanity, our filthiness. He lives, do you understand? He lives inside of us. So he has wrapped himself with our filthiness. He lives inside of us. And he's given us his righteousness. And we are clean because of the blood of the Lamb.